right, welcome into Surviving Paradise, the podcast that takes a sometimes serious, oftentimes humorous look at the claim by Jehovah's Witnesses that they are living in a modern-day spiritual paradise. Welcome to Paradise. I'm your host, Stacy Bauman, former elder, ministerial servant, and most importantly, a little guy raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses throughout the 1970s and 1980s. Warning as I do, we try to have some fun. We try to heal. We try to have a virtual hug. There's sarcasm, humor, laughs, cries, you name it. It's a mixed bag here, but note that it is never meant to offend. What a week, and from the outset, I'm going to launch this. Trigger warning. <laughs> here we go. I'm amped up, and I think that this episode will be particularly intense, at least from my perspective. I'll let you be the judge. It's that important at least to me, that people understand what just happened. The 2023 annual meeting is a gift that keeps on giving, and I've been somewhat laying back and digesting what I heard, saw, witnessed, and, well, it's time to comment on it. I'm likely going to use some bad words here, and I want to apologize from the heart because I get fired up and I just get rolling and it is what it is. But warning to all those that may hate cussing, I try to keep it to a minimum for the ladies especially and the older generations, but note that I might drop some F-bombs this week. It's that upsetting. So with that, welcome into paradise yet again. <laughs> but let's get going. You learn a lot of things from a very young age in this little journey we call life. You learn first not to poop your pants. That's a plus. You learn that there's a bedtime. You learn how to hide that pile of vegetables you don't want to eat at dinner on the very plate they were served on. If you know, you know. And if you were really creative, you had a napkin. It was all part of the plan. And early on, with good parenting in place, you learn manners. For example, showing appreciation by saying thank you from the heart. It's almost a lost art from some of today's young people I've noticed. Yep, I'm that guy. Get off my lawn. And when is the last time you held the door for someone and instead of saying thank you, uh, they moved through it and gave you some sort of a weird look like you'd done something wrong to them? <laughs> Seems to be experienced constantly, at least by me these days. I'm still not used to that one. It's weird. Or should I say it's just rude? A few more examples include things like, I don't know, a couple of words like, excuse me, when interrupting something or someone in action or in movement, in transit, crossing in front of them. Excuse me is also a lost art. It's as rare as, I don't know, finding something good to watch on Netflix in 2023. <laughs> At least from my perspective. But aside from learning the importance of thank you or excuse me, there are two other words we learn early and often in life's journey that are critical to our relationships or having successful relationships. Say those two words with me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. And look, if I had a dollar for every time I've had to say those two words, I'd be a lot richer. It's just part of the human journey. 
with our imperfections shining early, everything from stealing a toy to punching your little brother in the mouth, we learn the importance of issuing an apology. Arguably, it's one of the most important things we even learn as a kid, and it only becomes more important with age as life and our relationships mature and get more and more complex. Look, if you don't agree with me, I would ask a simple question. How do you view someone who can't apologize? Whether it be a sibling, a friend, a relative, a coworker, a lover, anyone, how do you tend to view them? When you or someone else or, or you're wronged by someone, it's important to apologize. If you have any interest in maintaining the relationship after you've done something wrong, you gotta go ahead and roll out those two words. I'm sorry. But sit on down this week. Go ahead and sit with me. Hopefully you're in a safe place. One of the most basic tenets of life, apologizing, isn't necessary when you're the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. You see, when you're a self-proclaimed, Jesus-ordained set of nine kings here on the planet Earth, nothing you do, nothing you do, requires an apology. And don't you dare ask for an explanation for anything that you've heard throughout your lifetime associated with them. You won't get an apology when what they've taught billions for over a century doesn't even match their Bible, their manual for life, or never even comes true. You are simply to sit there and consume anything and everything they say to you and obey. You see, when you've told the universe that you've been handpicked by Jehovah and you alone are in charge of our salvation, you never have to say you're sorry when Jesus, uh, the governing body, gets it all wrong. And you might be wondering, well, Stacy, how serious can it really be? Well, I'm going to give you some examples of things you don't have to apologize for because one of the newest kings on earth... Brother Jeffrey Winder, let us know they have no reason to, and more importantly, never will have a reason to apologize, to say we're sorry. Friends, anyone listening, please lock that fact into your mind as we move forward. King Winder has told the universe that the governing body never has to apologize for past new light, or what now would be considered old light. I know, I know. If you're wondering how does light become new when it was never light to begin with, well, you're in good company, you're not alone. It's impossible. Don't let that fact shake you up. They've shown how insulting and absurd this entire new light thing is for decades. <laughs> but put that aside for a minute. Something much, much more important from where I sit happened at the 2023 annual meeting a few weeks ago. So I'm asking anyone listening to please take special note of what the nine guys in New York just did. I cannot emphasize how vital it is to understand what these guys 
just did to 8 million plus Jehovah's Witnesses, and by extension anyone who studies the Bible with them, so we could say billions. These guys did something absolutely incredible. To the rest of us, billions of people living on this planet that depends on them for salvation. What did they do? They established, they established once and for all that they will never be responsible for any or all new light that they roll out to the rest of the planet. It doesn't matter if their new light is wrong. It doesn't matter if it never comes true. It doesn't matter that it might be fabricated. They are never responsible for their own teachings. Teachings they want us to believe comes to them by means of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is just keeping their throne seats warm in heaven as he feeds them direction that impact the lives of innocent people. So I'm asking that you please, with that fact in mind, sit with it. They just looked you and I in the eyes and laid the groundwork for absolving themselves from everything and anything that happens next. Any teaching, any decision, anything that impacts an innocent life of a Jehovah's Witness. Despite you basing your life, your decisions, everything you know on what they command you to obey, when it proves to be wrong, and I'm here to tell you, it will, it's never their fault that you believed their lies. And by the way, there's no apology from them necessary. <laughs> Please note, in my humble opinion, this is one of the most life-altering things this organization has ever done. The org is changing. It's rebranding. And frankly, I have to tell you, I saw it coming. I'll give predictions on additional things later on in this little show. I hope everyone is paying attention. Before I get into what King Jeffrey said at the annual meeting a few weeks ago, I think it's important to expose the gross hypocrisy of the kings here on earth by sharing with you what they've taught the rest of us when it comes to offering an apology when we're wrong. You see, at one time, issuing an apology or saying, I'm sorry, was actually encouraged by the governing body. Apparently, and unknowingly, King Jeffrey may have been introducing new light on all things apologies. Imagine that. Because at one time, his little organization that he leads was saying things like this. If you go to their website now under Bible Teachings, Teens and Young Adults, Young People Ask section, and I won't give the URL, you know the website. It says the following about apologies. First, subheading, apologizing shows maturity. When you take responsibility for something you said or did, you indicate that you are developing essential qualities that you will need in adulthood. End quote. That's right. Jeffrey and his guys say that we need to take responsibility for something that we say or did that might have harmed someone else. 
Ironic? It continues in the next subheading. Apologizing allows you to make amends. Quote, people who say, I'm sorry, show that they are more concerned about making peace than about proving themselves right and proving the other person wrong. End quote. Does this apply, King Jeffrey? Apparently not. You told us you don't need to do this. The third subheading says this, apologizing helps you feel better. Quote, regret over hurting someone by word or action is a heavy load to carry. Once you apologize, though, that burden is lifted off your shoulders. End quote. If you're keeping track, Young people need to apologize when they make a minor mistake in life as a young person. But according to King Jeffrey Winder of the governing body, they never need to apologize, despite the fact that things they've said, done, and demanded people do have gotten people killed, including the very young people this article was meant for. See how that works? Do you see? and I'm starting to get fired up. These guys roll out counsel on saying sorry, taking responsibility, righting the wrong when you've harmed someone, but it's only for us. It's not for them. But their wise counsel regarding a simple apology continues for adults. In the Wayback Machine of Watchtower 1961, June 15th, page 355 and 56, is an apology a sign of weakness, is the article? They told us this, quote, Now, how does God view this matter of admitting that one has been in the wrong when it comes to human relations? What God approves is the right course. If we love our neighbor, neighbor excuse me, we will do to him what we want done to ourselves. If one is in the wrong, his love should prompt him to take the course Jesus recommended as the right one. Humility is also involved, huh? It takes humility to apologize. Pride is a barrier. The proud person finds it difficult or impossible to apologize, even when he knows he has been in the wrong. To be at peace with one's brothers, and hence with God. One may at times need to straighten out difficulties, and this in turn may require an apology. End quote. Uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did we just read and hear that right? That an apology after you've wronged millions of people, some of them have died because of your mistakes, is uh, necessary to be at peace with Jehovah God himself? But how about just one more to land this point home from their literature? Literature that claims apologies means you're humble, but they said they don't have to offer them. Interesting. From the Watchtower Study Edition, November 1st, 2002, page 4. On all matters of humbly offering apologies when you're in the wrong, we get, quote, a lack of concern for other people's feelings may be another reason. Why some hesitate to apologize. Do tell. Back to the quote. They may say, Apologizing will not undo the blunder I have already made. 
Still others hesitate to say that they are sorry because of the possible consequences. They wonder, will I be held responsible and be asked to make compensation? What a concept. Back to the quote, however, the biggest hurdle to admitting a mistake is pride. A person who is too proud to say, I am sorry, may in essence conclude, I don't want to lose face by admitting my blunder. That would weaken my position. End quote. In one very simple paragraph, that they themselves wrote. They expose themselves for the prideful, deadly scam artists that they are. They don't want to be held responsible for anything that happened prior to October 2023's annual meeting, and they sure as hell have put everyone on notice that they will not be responsible for anything that happens after this annual meeting and moving forward. They did it to our faces. They will now demand life or death obedience without having to take any responsibility for what happens to you. And they sure aren't going to apologize for it because as you just heard me read, it might, quote, weaken their position, quote, as kings. Do we realize what just happened? I had no idea how to tackle all of this after watching it and listening for myself. Look, I'm highly elevated and all over the board. You've been warned. I will now apologize myself for that and anything that I say next. Thanks for being here. I'm just a guy who's really, really pissed off and insulted. But for those that haven't seen or heard the 2023 annual meeting with an all-time entrance from the new king, Jeffrey Winder, I want to share with you that what he said and, and then take a stab at the many things that flood in my mind that would be directly impacted by what he said. I'm putting his religion-altering comments under the microscope here for thinking people. But note... He goes on to explain how new light works. Here we go again in the same talk. And look, I just can't. We will have to tackle it in the future. And we will. It's more important to look at what he said and how it impacts the rest of us. But first, just a quick word in case you're new to this whole concept, because many Jehovah's Witnesses are. Uh, they appointed two new guys this year. One of them was King Jeffrey Winder. He himself was raised a Jehovah's Witness. I was fascinated that he was baptized in 1986, a year after I was. I can see the old timers rolling their eyes. He's apparently younger than me. I'm in my mid-50s. How did that happen? He started out in the cleaning department at World Headquarters, and he started out as a governing body helper. What did King Jeff have to say a few months into his reign, and why should we care? His debut was a splash. I'm going to give it to you verbatim, quoting from the video that you can find and watch online from the annual meeting. Jeffrey Winder and the fellow kings of the governing body rolled this comment out to the rest of us billions of people. Quote, we are not embarrassed by adjustments that have been made 
nor is an apology needed for not getting it exactly right previously. He goes on to say, quote, this is how we understand Jehovah operates and quote, and also the governing body is neither inspired nor infallible, end quote. Friends, listeners, anybody, where do I even begin? <laughs> where do I begin? If you're a Jehovah's Witness, please go watch this for yourself. Don't take this awful apostate podcast host's word for it. It's out there for the world to see and listen to. He said it. First, already discussed, everything that follows does not require an apology from those entrusted with the lives of every soul on the planet, okay? Keep that in mind. Don't hold your breath. The word sorry isn't in these guys' language. I covered it. So let's start with the fact that they're not embarrassed for not getting it exactly right previously, as Jeff said. And I am going to tell you, I'm going to inject some laughs. In October of 2023, Jeff wants us to know that neither he nor his father, interesting, nor the guys in upstate New York are in the least bit embarrassed by the following nuggets of truth that their group has given all of mankind. I'm going to start with the comical, and I'm going to move to the deadly. All of these are in print for a Jehovah's Witness listening to see with your own eyes. And as you know, I deeply encourage you go look for these. I'm going to give references. But remember, they're not embarrassed. They're not blushing. They do not apologize for any of this. The Kingdom Ministry of 2005, March 1st, under the aptly titled article, a review of the Golden Age magazine. You remember this? It came out. It was the precursor to the Awake magazine. It says this to lay the groundwork, quote, The magazine The Golden Age was published to show people that the real solution to mankind's problem is Christ's millennial reign, which will truly usher in a golden age for humankind. From its beginning, this magazine has contributed mightily to the great witness that has been given since 1919. I... <laughs> back to the quote, since its first issue back in 1919, this magazine successively known as the Golden Age Consolation and now Awake has played a major role in the preaching work. End quote. In 2005, the governing body wasn't embarrassed and won't apologize for the Golden Age magazine. I just read it to you from the Kingdom Ministry. Okay? Just a reminder, you're going to get lots of them. Twelve years into Jesus' reign as King of the Universe, he rolls out this to his guys for publication. The Golden Age, I give you the treasure that keeps on giving. 1926, April 7th, page 438, quote, if any overzealous doctor condemns your tonsils, go and commit suicide with a case knife. It's cheaper and less painful. End quote. Golden Age, 1926, April 7th, page 438. Not embarrassed? Not saying we're sorry. Or just 15 years into his reign, that being Jesus, he wanted us to know this and still not sure why he waited so long to even share this. That raises a bunch of other questions. I'm guessing he was likely busy closing on a mansion in San Diego and picking out bunk beds for Noah, Moses, and Elijah. 
just a shot in the dark based on the years given the golden age of 1929 november 12th page 107 something that's played a critical role in the preaching work and we're not embarrassed by says this quote sleep on the right side or the flat on your back with the head toward the north so as to get benefit of the earth's magnetic currents avoid serum inoculations as they pollute the bloodstream with their filthy pus ah stop chewing gum as you need the saliva for your food end quote thank you golden age of 1929 new light sleeping on your stomach don't you worry it's now okay let the earth's magnetic currents roll through you hmm do it vaccinations that's a big no-no according to the golden age oops that's okay now we're not embarrassed or sorry in fact it's required at the new york compound during covid and in the most critical of all new lights from this reference you can now chew bubble gum in fact we encourage those with halitosis to give it a try <laughs> no the governing body as jeffrey winder has told us is not embarrassed about this not at all, nor are they sorry. No word yet from those who received the council in 1929. Not sure if you'll feel embarrassed or want to punch someone in the head, but how about some wisdom on our relationships? Again, not embarrassed or apologetic. In this case, how about a doozy of counsel regarding interracial relationships and marriage? From the Watchtower of 1973, we've made a leap in Jesus' reign. December 1st, page 735 to 736, under my favorite question from the readers, we get this. Quote, Yet, widely differing backgrounds, even among marriage mates of the same race, can and sometimes do give rise to problems, making marital adjustment more difficult. He may consider whether or not interracial marriage is likely to create a seriously adverse effect on the attitude of the people in his community toward this kingdom announcement work. End quote. I want to laugh. I want to scream. I want to punch something. Forget love. Will being married to someone of a different race affect handing out our magazines? That was the council in 73 what fell in love with a beautiful person from another land but stopped pursuing them as a mate after getting this council in 73 nah this group according to jeffrey winder isn't embarrassed by such counsel counsel that is obviously racism it doesn't bother him it comes from 1973 and we're not going to apologize for it it's just how jehovah rolls it's just how he is guys according to the 2023 annual meeting of Jeffrey Winder. Moving from our health and relationships into the core doctrines of God's only true religion, why would anyone claiming to be God's spokesperson here on earth be embarrassed about the following? Reasoning from the Scriptures, page 97, says this, quote, Before the last members of the generation that was alive in 1914 will have passed off the scene, all things foretold will occur, including the Great Tribulation, in which the present wicked world will end. End quote. Uh, the book's gone, but you can still get a copy. 
Uh, Jeff and his friends, uh, how do we say this? That claim about the people in 1914, that generation, uh, Jeff, uh, just an update. I'm not sure if I'm getting new light or, or maybe I have Holy Spirit, but uh, they're all dead. They're gone. Aren't you embarrassed, Jeff, and the governing body? No, you're not? Okay. And while you feel no need to apologize for lying to people prior to this rollout in 1995, you should at least be embarrassed at how stupid you look. Right? No? Not even the least bit of embarrassed or want to say sorry? Okay, then. Who needs basic math skills when your ass will be firmly planted in heavenly thrones? Folks, meet the guys and his eight friends that will be judging the rest of us. And while we laugh at the utterly absurd stuff this organization has rolled out to us, it's much more serious than just their embarrassment and whether they're embarrassed or not and want to say sorry. Look, the truth is this stuff is deadly. It's deadly. I'm going to remind every one of one, one such example of how deadly this stuff is that they won't say sorry for nor be embarrassed by. Here's one. I'll try to keep it brief. The Watchtower of 1967, November 15th, pages 702 to 704, regarding organ transplants. Quote, sustaining one's life by means of the body or part of the body of another human would be cannibalism a practice abhorrent to all civilized people. It is not our place to decide whether such operations are advisable from a scientific or medical standpoint. Christians who have been enlightened by God's word do not need to make these decisions based simply on the basis of personal whim or emotion. They can consider the divine principles and use these in making personal decisions as they look to God for direction, trusting Him and putting their confidence in the future that he has in store for those who love him. End quote. To summarize, they commanded Jehovah's Witnesses to abstain from any, any transplants they needed. A kidney transplant, a cornea transplant, a bone marrow, skin, you name it. Anything else taken from another human being. Simple operations today that save people, and people listened to this in 1967, they followed that counsel, and they died. They died. They emphasized that no Jehovah's Witness could get a transplant the very next year in the June 8th, 68 Awake magazine. You remember it came from the Golden Age, what a doozy, which was devoted to the organization's view of medical procedures. They emphasized it. Yeah, 1968. Apparently, it wasn't on Jehovah's radar until 54 years into the last days. Must have slipped Jehovah's mind up until then. You could have organ transplants until the late 60s. No word yet on why Jehovah missed sharing that with us. A Jehovah's Witness was disfellowshipped if they saved their own life with a transplant. Fact. But bringing it up to our day, King Jeffrey Winder, himself a kid during this time, apparently isn't embarrassed and doesn't need to apologize for this. Because why, Stacy? Why would he be embarrassed? He told us we can't do it. Well, here it comes. Only 13 years later, the Watchtower of 1980, March 15th, page 31, quote, 
There is no biblical command pointedly forbidding the taking in of other human tissue. It is a matter for personal decision. End quote. Thirteen years. How many people died? Can't tell you. Embarrassed? Jeff? Sorry? Hey, Jeff, not only should you be embarrassed, but you should be horrified. You and your organization have killed people, including children. So we don't care about your embarrassment, and frankly, an apology just won't suffice. But folks, it gets worse. We cannot change the past. But if you were paying attention, these guys just rolled out a talk at the annual meeting in 2023 where they have absolved themselves from all of this and much, much more. And let us all know in one talk that they won't be acceptable for anything that happens to us in the future either. Because as Jeff told us in the talk, currently streaming on video, quote, that's just the way Jehovah works, end quote. There is no denying it. The governing body just told Jehovah's Witnesses, and I hope there are some here listening for nothing more than help, quote, we don't have to apologize if we get you killed. It's how we roll. And how a Jehovah's Witness can continue to go on ignoring this is stunning. It's impacting children. Decades later, we can laugh at Moses and Noah sharing bunk beds at Beth Sarim. But to claim you're not embarrassed nor need to apologize when you've killed people? That's next level evil. But King Jeffrey Winder continues from the video and talk, quote, and also the governing body is neither inspired nor infallible. And so it can err in doctrinal matters or in organization direction. But the brothers are happy if Jehovah sees fit to clarify matters, end quote. If you're keeping track at home, I have a question. Did they just blame Jehovah God the Almighty himself for their 109 years of constant fuck-ups? They sure did. To our faces. In other words, you trip an old lady. You look at her on the ground and you say, Hey, sorry, the city made such a crappy sidewalk. It's unbelievable. Nothing they teach us or demand of us is their fault. It can actually be Jehovah's fault. And they're doing this and saying this to our faces, showing the power of cognitive dissonance and the power of cults. And now they're not only continuing to demand obedience to them as the governing body, but also admitting that they're likely going to get it wrong anyway. You're obeying something that is wrong. Jehovah's Witnesses, please, from the depths of our hearts of those of us that have left, please wake up. Wake up. 
This claim by King Jeffrey and the other eight guys in New York comes after already telling us all the following. Please take notice of the recent dates on these references. You are to obey them, but they are neither infallible nor are they inspired, but they say to do this. Watchtower 2013, July 15th, page 22, quote, The Faithful and Discreet Slave, a small group of anointed brothers who are directly involved in preparing and dispensing spiritual food during Christ's presence. Today, these anointed brothers make up the governing body, end quote. Watchtower 2022, notice the dates, February, page four, quote, Today, Jehovah leads the earthly part of his organization by means of the faithful and discreet slave, the governing body. Quote, we show that we trust in Jehovah's way of doing things by heeding the direction we receive from the organization and the elders, end quote. Watchtower, 2009, February 15th, page 27, quote, Since Jehovah God and Jesus Christ completely trust the faithful and discreet slave, should we not do the same? End quote. Watchtower, 2011, July 15th, page 24, simplified English edition, quote, We need to obey the faithful and discreet slave to have Jehovah's approval, end quote. We are neither inspired nor infallible, but you are to obey us or die. I could go on, but won't in the interest of time. If you were a Jehovah's Witness listening or someone exploring this religion, you can go watch or listen to Jeffrey Winder's talk yourself. And you can go check every reference I gave you. They're on their website and in their publications. But did you notice anything? Did you notice? It is Jehovah himself that leads these nine guys in upstate New York. They said it. They confirmed it. It's right there in print. Jehovah and Jesus chose them. Communicate with them. And you'll note they said, Trust them completely, and yet they're neither inspired nor infallible? That's not possible, folks. But, uh, wait a minute. You just said Jehovah feeds you the information, and he trusts you implicitly, and I have to obey every word you say because it's from Jehovah. But, but does that mean Jehovah isn't inspired? Does that mean Jehovah isn't infallible? He makes mistakes? Does it mean that Jehovah, as you said, Jeff, can err in doctrinal matters or organizational direction? Please, please let your brain fire. I don't even have to say it. The entire New Light teaching is patently absurd. It's mind-blowing that anyone would believe this. And yet many of us did, this guy included. But here is Jeffrey on stage in a video burning it all to the ground for everyone to watch and see. 
He's burning it to the ground. The balls it takes to require, to command that millions obey every word you say, even when you know you're wrong and that it doesn't come from Jehovah, is an entirely new level of absurdity. But what often goes overlooked in all of this is what these guys do to the person of Jehovah himself. How does all of this reflect on Jehovah and his son Jesus? Do you ever think about this? The guys that they claim they represent. The guys they claim handpicked them in 1919. We are told, and every witness will tell you, that Jehovah is perfect and so is King Jesus. So, uh... They don't need to apologize for anything, right? Jehovah and Jesus don't need to apologize. They never get anything wrong, much less kick back and watch, literally watch erroneous teachings go out into the earth with their name attached to it. Last I checked, the only person who does that is Satan, <laughs> right? They told us that. We learned it from them. They're infallible. They're perfect. They don't teach bad stuff. Only Satan does bad stuff. The governing body admits that they can go decades. They can go decades. A century teaching the wrong thing. While Jehovah and Jesus watch us all scramble our way through life, teaching the wrong thing to people in the ministry, and they don't have to apologize. They want you and I to believe that Jehovah is watching on. And then suddenly, Jehovah takes a break from, I don't know, creating another black hole in a yet undiscovered universe to, to get involved and correct it all, despite decades passing and innocent people being misled and some dying? Why would Jeff and his buddies in New York be embarrassed or apologize? They just passed the buck. They make it seem, in no uncertain terms, that ultimately it's Jehovah and Jesus' fault anyway. <laughs> it's how they communicated with the guys in New York that causes all these problems, and not one of them can answer why Jehovah does this or allows it. If you're not inspired or infallible, but you're teaching things that are wrong, why is Jehovah letting it happen? For decades. <laughs> As a reminder, Jesus himself, the guy leading the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses, was apparently holding them accountable at one point. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 in the New World Translation, first, Jesus' words, he says this, quote, You must accordingly be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, end quote. Do we need to go back or is it time to examine what it means to be perfect? Does it include misleading billions of precious innocent souls until you're done being amused by their mistakes, then send new light to fix what they did? <laughs> Once the entertainment value wears off and you've seen enough, you drop the guys in New York a quick new light memo? Is that what Jesus does? And it's all very odd concerning what the most holy success manual says it all. Now for Jehovah's words at James 1 and verse 13, New World Translation, quote, When under trial, let no one say, I'm being tried by God. For with evil things God cannot be tried, 
nor does he himself try anyone. End quote. Okay. Jesus says, be perfect like Jehovah. Jehovah says, I'll never test you with something like lying to you for decades, then changing the teaching down the road. Or saying blood transfusions are okay, as they did, then saying they're not. Or that shunning is evil, as they did, but now he loves a good shunning. Or generations won't pass away, as they did, but they have, and I could keep going. I'm just a Jehovah's Witness who wants to live in paradise. And look, I got a headache at this point. I've got a migraine. I know that Jehovah and his son are perfect. They communicate their perfect, timely messages to the nine guys in New York that they themselves trust more than anyone. The nine guys then tell us God's new light. But well, oops, the message was wrong, but that doesn't reflect on Jehovah or his son. And oh, by the way, it also doesn't reflect on us nine guys either. They're not embarrassed and they're not sorry. But we're supposed to trust and obey them or face a lifetime of shunning or death. And uh, despite my migraine headache, where the hell is all of this coming from? And why is anyone believing this? Do I need to connect the dots? Simply stated, if you believe that new light comes from Jehovah and Jesus as claimed, then you have to believe, by extension, that Jehovah and Jesus make mistakes and then kick back and enjoy watching us believe the mistakes for decades or even for our entire lives. Then, at a moment in the future, decide, eh, let's fix the mistake, but only after decades of being wildly entertained by watching us believe it. Look. No one believes this. Therefore, you're left with the obvious. Jeffrey Winder, King Jeff, and his guys in New York know they get nothing from Jehovah God and his son. At best, he goes on to explain in the very same talk at the annual meeting, these nine guys get into a room and they open the same old book you and I have and they take turns tossing around ideas on how to fix the mistakes of the guys that came before them and more importantly, how their new light needs to tighten their grip on controlling millions of Jehovah's Witnesses. They trotted a new king onto the stage and to give the following message on their behalf, despite a century-plus proof to the contrary. We represent the perfect God, Jehovah. We speak for him. We will make mistakes in what we share, and we aren't embarrassed or sorry for that. But you still must obey us, even if it means your life. Armed with that fact, what will a Jehovah's Witness do? Are the guys making the mistakes, or is it Jehovah making the mistakes? Honest question here, folks. Share your answers. You know the answer. In a cruel twist of irony, the nine guys that claims you must obey them, even if it makes no sense and is wrong, is the same nine guys that will themselves personally get to kill you and your families at Armageddon. And they don't have to apologize for that either. Think about it. Think about it. We're not laughing at the absurdity of it all. 
It's actually absolutely chilling. The Bible goes on to tell us that Jehovah is the God of love. But that same God has apparently chosen nine guys that, well, how do I say this? They're just not quite as warm and fuzzy. We all remember Tony Morris referring to precious lives as split open hot dogs or blowing out matches symbolizing him extinguishing lives all while he giggled and everyone in attendance at the meeting giggling, whether it's a laugh track or not. How sick do you gotta be? We've all heard Stephen Lett tell us newborn babies are enemies of God. They just crap their pants. That's the least of their worries. And that he's all set up to snuff them out. Because, you know, they didn't get baptized. They're enemies of God. No apologies. It's stunning that anyone could believe any of this. But watch King Jeffrey Winders talk. The audience, the live audience, whether it's added or it was real, I wasn't in attendance, they giggled. They laugh. You can hear laughter. Not kidding. Zero contrition for the wasted and ended lives under their care. Errors they made that led to innocent people's deaths. Before you dismiss all of this as apostate lies, I'm going to ask you to walk with me for a minute. You remember, Jeffrey Winder claimed that the governing body is neither inspired nor infallible. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, take a moment right now. Please, take a moment right now. Open up your purse or open up your wallet. And I want you to pull out your advanced directive blood card. Pull it out and stare at it. Are you looking at it? Mine's long gone. This guy said we make mistakes. We're not inspired. We just roll around in a room making up things. We're not embarrassed by it. We're not sorry. Look at your blood card. How are you feeling? If you give your life by not taking a blood transfusion if you need one or some other component of blood, are you confident in a resurrection? Are you willing to let your kids die by means of that little piece of paper you have? A piece of paper that comes from a guy and his pals in upstate New York that tell you, oopsie, we make mistakes and we're not sorry, nor are we embarrassed. King Jeff just admitted they might be wrong about all of it. It could change or be, as they say, clarified at a future date. And what then? What then? Are you confident today in that neat little card you carry in your wallet and take for granted? I know I did. Your life comes down to a little piece of paper. Oh, and a heads up, by the way. The blood doctrine, in case you were wondering and never studied it like I never did as a time my during my time as a witness, the blood doctrine itself has changed. Oopsie. We made some mistakes. Not sorry, 
not embarrassed. In fact, the blood doctrine arguably has gone almost 360 degrees from where it started, including things like blood fractions now. How confident you feel? You ready to obey with your life? Here's something to consider on using just this example. The Watchtower of 1970, April 15th, page 249, says this, quote, But suppose one's wife or child were near death. Giving blood, no matter who the loved one might be, would still constitute a violation of God's law. Just because one is near death, this does not give one liberty to break God's commands. When one is near death, is no time to tamper with or violate the law of God, but a time to draw as near as possible to God by remaining faithful. Note this, quote, Everlasting life is the reward for faithfulness. How foolish it would be to gamble away the prospect of life eternal for the very uncertain promise of a cure by blood transfusion. End quote. Again, right to our face. Shameless. The irony to include a comment on gambling with your life in this paragraph. A comment by men in New York who admit now that they're not inspired nor infallible. The very definition of, um, gambling with people's lives. Like organ transplants, how will you feel? if they change this yet again and someone close to you dies in the meantime. By the way, for the record, using just this one example, you won't find this teaching in the Bible. <laughs> it's not there. You can try to do the mental gymnastics all you want. You can read all their articles. You can read their pamphlets. You can visit with the hospital liaison committee. They can't show you this teaching from Jehovah. Why? because the blood doctrine was itself new light to Freddie Franz in roughly 1945. If you're doing the math, that's 31 years after Jesus sat down on his throne. Odd? In case you're wondering, Jesus wasn't embarrassed. He never apologized for it, and neither will they. 31 years of getting blood only to change it quickly. If that little exercise of pulling out your blood card as one example, a real one, a tangible one, doesn't get your attention, how about this? Who are you shunning right now? Who is shunning you? What if they're wrong? And they are. What will make you feel better? Decades of going without your parents or your kids or your friends. Will an apology make you feel better? Will it make you know that, uh, I don't know, Jeffrey Winder and the eight guys in New York feel cringy? They're very embarrassed by this. Does it do anything for you? I could keep going with the examples. But I think all of us get the point. And if nothing else, I want to take this time to just raise awareness. These guys demand obedience, all the while telling you they're just a bunch of bums. <laughs> and if they're not bums, then Jehovah and Jesus are bums. 
Which one will it be? If all of this hasn't insulted your intelligence enough, consider this. We are to believe that Jehovah the Almighty and his son who laid down his life handpicked these guys. They could have chosen anyone, but they chose these nine guys. No one can even explain how these guys are chosen, but it's safe to say that process itself is uh, should be called under scrutiny. When you walk up on stage and tell people you're going to be rolling out new light that changes their lives. Oh, and by the way, it might be wrong all along. Why should we have any confidence at all in how you were even chosen to this position to begin with? Why in the hell should we be obeying you? Is there any chance your appointment itself as a governing body member isn't inspired or, I don't know, infallible. No one seems to be embarrassed. No one seems to be apologizing for, I don't know, Tony Morris. Everything, and I do mean everything in the world of Jehovah's Witnesses, is different now. The past in past generations like myself, anything that we believed in and everything we experienced and we saw, it, it's all just lost to the sands of history. This organization, this religion has dramatically changed. I've stated it many times. They're rebranding this for the future. The older generations are passing off the scene. They need this to look and feel a lot different if they're going to get young people. It's all different now. And they've looked us all in the eye and they've told us they're not inspired. They've even admitted they make lots of mistakes. But the caveat is this, it doesn't matter. You must obey us anyway, says the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. Anything they do moving forward that ruins people's lives or claims lives will be nothing more than a shrug of their shoulders. Like those of us of my generation, Gen X, baptized in the 80s, all of our experiences will be lost. Just like live orchestras and eight-day district conventions and cheese danishes, dramas with costumes, having to read our Bibles, having to knock on doors, book studies, It'll all just become ancient history. You'll have to take our word for it. They're not going to apologize. They're not embarrassed. They told you. They looked you in the eye. They looked all of us in the eye, courtesy of that talk at the 2023 District Convention. They're not embarrassed. They're not sorry. They don't care. The next move is yours. I want to thank you for joining me this week on this rant, wherever you may be. Big hugs. Be well.